welcome to Conversations with Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer, and as you may know, this is a music podcast. And speaking of music, that song that played me in is called Fury. It is from Mamalarkey and their debut self-titled album, Mamalarkey. And that means my guest today is somebody from Mamalarkey, and that would be Livy Bennett, who is the vocalist and guitarist, and goddamn, she's a good guitarist and vocalist. Uh... This was the first episode I've done in two and a half years where I actually recorded with the person face-to-face. Don't worry, we both have had COVID recently, so we're totally safe. <laughs> we're totally safe to hang out with one another. Uh, and I feel because we recorded in person, it had a different sort of vibe to it. Um, it felt more like pals talking. I felt like a pal. And you could uh, you can hear birds chirping in the background, birds in the background, which uh, I don't know. I always like to hear birds chirping, but I will honestly say that the sound of birds chirping always reminds me of the first time I did cocaine and stayed up till six in the morning. <laughs> I don't. I just remember going to attempting to go to sleep and hearing birds chirping. So, uh, I don't know, but I birds are also pretty, and it doesn't have to be about filthy drugs, but um. If you haven't heard Mamalarkey, this fucking album is incredible. It's one of my uh, favorite new artists. And the I can't... When the album came out, I listened to it a bunch. And I was like, God damn, this is good. And then I meant to ask them, to, uh, uh, specifically Livy, to come on the podcast. And I didn't because I'm a dumb, dumb head, which is something I mention a lot in this podcast of how dumb I am. But um, And then I started listening to it again and became obsessed with it. Uh, as all over again, and I was like, oh, I got to get her on the podcast, and I did, and it's great. I really enjoyed talking to her. She's uh, rad, she's funny, and fascinating. Lots of interesting stuff, and I learned some things even though I researched the shit out of her. Um, all things Mamalarkey are in the show notes, so you can go and buy the album. Uh, I did. I bought it on vinyl. I got the red vinyl. Uh, all their stuff is out on Fire Talk Records and um, a label I greatly like. I like who they put out, and I've had a few people of theirs on the show. So please check out the show notes. That's very important because that way you can find all things Mamalarkey as well as my website, thematdwire.com. And speaking of which, you can go to thematdwire.com. You can come, become a Patreon subscriber, and there's a part two to this conversation. There's an extra... 30 minutes of conversation and the part one that you are about to listen to here actually has some extra sweet bits of content. I don't like the word content, but I use it. So as, as many of my episodes have, uh, they go longer than, uh, what I post in the, in this realm where you're listening to it. Uh, I usually post video, the unedited conversation in its entirety, or sometimes I do the part one, part two. I also have an audio blog and uh, about music and written blogs. I have a crazy written blog about how I owned John Belushi's touring trunk for a while, which I got from Chris Farley. And that's on, that actually might be free on, on my Patreon now. I'm pretty sure that one's free and it's a fucking insane story. Uh, as well as, uh, I don't know how much I, I can't remember because I did it a couple years ago, but how much I, I used to give 
Chris Farley LSD. I always had LSD back in in my teens, <laughs> and I got known for it. And I was hanging around Second City, and well, there you go. Anyway, become a Patreon subscriber and hear how I used to give LSD to Chris Farley. Uh, and did a lot myself. But anyway, but my website also is a link to all my social media. If you want to buy T-shirts, I really would love it if you became a Patreon subscriber. I'm also doing a consulting thing where if you want to start a podcast, I can help you consult, build that thing, or I could just edit it for you. But I've worked with a lot of artists, create helping them create material like David Keckner, a.k.a. Champ Kind. I also... Uh, consulted with Rick Rubin recently on a project I can't talk about yet, but when I can, I'm going to talk the shit out of it. So I would say I'm a trustworthy person to help create ideas with you. And if you need a website for your podcast that I'm going to help you create, you could go to kellyrdewire.com and she help will help you build a website. She did my website. She did my favorite murder website. She does ologies. She does political people, actors, you name it. She made a website for it or them. It, it. Let's just call people it, because humans are awful. <laughs> We're just awful. Anyway, uh, so this conversation is really great. I love Mamalarkey. I look forward to what Livy Bennett is going to create in the future, because I, I just, I love this album so much. Please go listen to it. Do yourself a favor. And I shared it with John from Deerhoof, and he liked it. So if John from Deerhoof, who is far vastly more intelligent and music knowledgeable than me, and an incredible guitarist, can say that Mamalarkey's album is great, then you can think so too. I think I've done sufficient amounts of plugging of stuff on the show. Like I said, I'd like to remind you, oh, you know what would be awesome? It's if you just told some friends about my podcast or wrote a review. No one writes reviews for my podcast, and it hurts my feelings. That is all. That is all the time I'm going to spend. Please enjoy my conversation with Livy Bennett from Mamalarkey. I saw that you wrote for the Chronicle. Oh my God. Why would you look that up? I just look. Yeah, I did. I, I did. How old were you? I was in high school. Because there was a picture of you with Daniel Johnston, which is the first thing I found. I played with Daniel Johnston. You played, how old were you when you played with Daniel Johnston? Um, I think like 16 or 17. How? That's... I know. It was crazy. He's really special. It was really sad when he passed, but yeah. I mean, I, I say I played. I sang like, a, I think two or three songs at ACL with him. And it was really cool. I was, and I was going through a very major Daniel Johnston phase. At that point in my life, so, yeah. Is that just, like, growing up in Austin, is that, like, a given that you're going to know? Because, like... It, Maybe. Like, I is he, like, the hero of town? He he is the hero of town. I mean, of course, there's many, but... Yeah, I don't know. I've been in this one, uh, one track my entire life, pretty much. <laughs> and Austin's great for that. It's, like, there's a huge scene for people of any age, basically, to just embarrass themselves on stage. <laughs> so, that's what I started doing when I was, like, 12. That's when you started, like, getting on stage? Was yeah. 12? I saw yeah. pictures where you... And I... Why are you ashamed of those pictures? Of course I'm ashamed. Can you imagine if you had that? I do. 
You do have that. I was in... I did not look up your middle school band pictures ahead of this. Oh, <laughs> mine was worse. Mine was... Uh, I was up for the funniest teen in Chicago. Oh, I love that. And I had uh, my That's hair crazy. parted down the middle and it was feathered. And I wore a Hawaiian shirt That's because Robin sick. Williams did. Yes. <laughs> That's the comedy shirt. And I lost to... Well, I lost because I was bad, but I lost to Hal Sparks. I don't know what that is. He, yeah, he's funny. I don't know. Funnier than you. Clearly, he was better time. than me. Yeah, and then he had TV shows. I'd never had a TV show, so I lose by the <laughs> by the standards of uh, the entertainment industry. I'm a failure. <laughs> that's crazy. Anytime there's a contest, like who is the best child? It's like that's a lot, but at the same time, like. I don't know. What's your view on like the participation trophy? Culture? I don't. I don't know. I don't. Do you think someone should be the best at that age? I don't. I like, kind of do. I kind of do think it's helpful to be like, well, if you want to be the best, you have to do something. I mean, it's good to know to what it, to to lose. I mean, I I remember like blowing a softball game in elementary school and having the hugest lo- like I was devastated. But like I would have been like if somebody gave me a trophy, I would be like, "This is bullshit! I just fucked the whole game for everybody." <laughs> like, why are you giving me a trophy? I fucked yeah. up. I got most improved softball because I I ran away from it because I was afraid. You're... And I remember at the time being like, "This is kind of insulting. Like, you guys didn't need to do this." But you got a participation trophy. Yeah. I was really, really, really. I was the worst person on the team because I was afraid. Was. Did you quickly know, like, I'm not going to be the sports kid? Yeah. I mean, I tried different things, and it was always like, no, this is not working. <laughs> <laughs> I did soccer when I was really young, and someone, like, kicked the soccer ball into me, and it that's the only time I've had, like, the actual wind knocked out of oh, my lungs. So you didn't have brothers, because that I did. I did. I had a brother, but they he... They didn't punch you? He did not punch. No, he was a good bro, but, yeah, like... Just couldn't couldn't catch my breath, and I was like, "That was scary." I'm weak, <laughs> which I'm very I'm very comfortable with. I'm very comfortable with that fact. As long as I can occasionally lift my uh, gear. Did you I not get? In, I mean, I grew up in like working class mm-hmm. Irish people, so it was nothing. But I got the shit kicked out of me repeatedly. I was yeah. not tough, and I thought I should be tough because you know guys have that bullshit. But I quickly was like, I'm. And I feel like, yeah, in in my, at least, like, my understanding of where this generation is headed, that's often, like, a meeting at a school if something like that breaks out. Oh, yeah, I don't think, uh, but I don't, yeah. I like to think there's not as many bullies, but I got, like, really bullied. Like, yeah. it was, you'd probably cry if I told you some of the things that happened. I probably would. <laughs> I hate hearing that stuff. It's it so was weird. like, it was pretty extreme. I'll tell you some other time. <laughs> That's awful. Yeah, I don't know why kids have that that urge to single someone out and like. And then you start carrying it. I think like when it happens a couple times, then you kind of get. You're like, I'm this person. I'm. I think you carry it a bit, yeah. and then because it kind of followed me for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like I would get like. Like the frat dudes in the bars would be like that guy, and I'd be like, "Why are you picking a fight with me?" I'm You're just saying a- you feel like that instilled some sort of aura that people could pick I up think, on. I think for a while, I don't get that. 
I would not have guessed that, at least. Well, I'm cool now. Nice. <laughs> See, that's what <laughs> that's what's supposed to happen. I, I've I've taken control of things. Nice. I also don't hang out in bars where frat boys are. That's always a good move. I also like. I'm pretty sure that's how I got COVID. I was at a show that it was either that or a laser tag rave that I went to. It was very <laughs> musty in the air, but very fun. But yeah, I was at a very frat like occasion and like dudes kept like dropping like I was wearing like a backless shirt and this guy kept spilling drinks on my bare back you think he was doing it intentionally I I don't think so but I was so upset by it and I kept just like looking back at him and then this other guy came up and was like don't worry I'm gonna protect you and then me and my friend looked at each other and we were like let's go (laughs) let's leave but I'm I'm just I for many reasons I think that's where I picked up the COVID-19 virus and maybe we should address we're hanging out right now <laughs> because these two people had COVID. So like we a month can. Ago. Yeah, we can do this. This is cool. Yeah. I kind of was relieved to have it because I was like, oh, fuck. Now I can f- just like not give a shit. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I was arrogantly thought I wouldn't get it for some reason. Me too. Because if you make it that long, it's like, okay, I guess. Yeah, I made fine. it to January. Did you get it at, or you didn't get it at like... South by Southwest? I did. Oh, you did? Yeah, that's where I got it. So definitely like fresh off the press. (laughs) Everybody I know, like I know so many people from bands who got it. Yeah. And then a couple who didn't, which is really weird. It's going to be a long-term issue. It sucks. Like I hate that, yeah, what are we, like can someone please fucking tell us how we're supposed to deal with this? Because... It's just going to be around. If one person gets it, you're supposed to cancel the whole tour, which is like thousands of dollars. You'd be f- fucked, right? Most yeah, bands yeah, are yeah. fucked. Like Absolutely. I th- after, you, after you spend the money on the van and the hotels or whatever, all the merch that you think you're going to sell that you have to buy up front. And yeah, I mean, it's funny thinking back on how violently ill I have been on a tour before. Before From- COVID. Where it's just like, I got something, but we have to keep going. And that is not the culture now, you know? Do you so, think that'll change, though? Because I feel like I don't know anything. I me- ho- I, I, no, I don't hope so. I don't want to <laughs> fucking spread COVID. But it's like, what is the solution? I don't know. And I think about it quite a bit because, yeah, it obviously impacts all of us. And I know so many artists that are just like, I can't justify touring right now. I had one canceled and like, I just don't, I give up, you know? You're lucky that you have like a music job. You have a job Mm -hmm. where a lot of people I think are extra fucked because they don't, I don't know. Yeah. Like they work in a coffee shop and. And that's by necessity. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Making music is definitely like. Yeah, got to spend money to make money. <laughs> and that's like, where's the fucking money coming from? But yeah, I don't know. I wish I wish it was more accessible. And I wish it was... I know so many musicians who make great music and just genuinely are like, I'm never going to tour because I don't... I just can't make it work. I can't figure out how to make it work. A lot of people don't make money these days touring, which is weird. Yeah. It's like, it's just like... You guys are monstrously I mean, getting about fu- gas right now. Yeah, I hope that changes by the time I'm on the road again because that's terrible. 
<laughs> yeah. Didn't you, and this is this is going into the boring stuff that we talked about that I said I wouldn't talk about. Didn't you make the album during COVID or no? Yeah, I did a lot of music over COVID for sure. And that's been super fun. And now that- Is it like you here and then somebody's in Utah or whatever? So yeah, me and Michael primarily are like the ones engineering and producing stuff. Um, and we've mixed and mastered everything. Wait, that's a lie. <laughs> we've done we've done some mastering work, but um, yeah, a lot of time. There was a lot of time to write music and spiral. And like I, I think it's interesting that we couldn't really test out any new songs for a while because we didn't have shows. Like I feel like a lot of bands relate to like writing a song, playing it live for a while, seeing what works, and then recording it. And just being in this like echo chamber of like, all right, I like the song. I think the energy is good. Like, let's run with it. It's definitely different. But I, I like that too, as an introverted person. Your band is like all over the place? Our band is all over the place, yeah. And and it's you've started with being all over the place. Yeah, we've always been just kind of scattered. And like, I don't know if you know the band Deer Hoof. I do. Like my favorite band ever. I've had two of them on my podcast. Well, fuck you, because <laughs> I've never met them. And they're like my favorite band. But they're, they've they similarly done that from what I know. They do. Yeah. Not so. to to further make you jealous, but John Dietrich and I, Dietrich, I always mispronounce this. We send pizza pictures to each other all the time. What? Yeah. Wow. And we talk about our dogs. <laughs> just kidding. I'm happy for you. I, I just, I've seen them play like once before and it was probably one of the best shows I've ever seen. I was, I, my really rich friend had him play at his birthday party. What? At the Echoplex. He's that yeah. kind of rich. Yeah. And I was, that's the only time I've seen them live and I, my, I was, I couldn't believe what I saw. Mm-hmm. And Greg is like drumming I know. His, his drumming. I was just like, I thought you had like a full kit and yeah. you have nothing and I it's know. insane. I think about it a lot. <laughs> I really do. There's not that many artists that I'm like a geek <clears throat> for, but yeah, I really appreciate what they're doing and yeah. And for 30 years. Yes. They're coming up on th- that's what like their recent album, I'm just like You still have something new. To it's say. insane. Yeah. Yeah. Someday Someday I'll meet them and try to be cool about it. But yeah, that's sick. You've had a lot of great guests, though. I got to say. I don't know how you Thank do you. it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know either because I don't, I don't know. I was thinking about it and not to, like, I looked at my website the other day and I was like, what the fuck? Because I'm just a dumbass. Don't you agree? <laughs> <laughs> I was nodding. I was nodding when he said that. Um, but that's nice of you. People love a dumbass, though. Like, I would consider myself a dumbass as well. See, like, I we scheduled a time to be here, and I, you showed up, and I immediately was like, wait, I thought it was, yeah. I did look, and I was right. Yeah, you were right. And I'm not trying to rub that in, because I fuck up. Because <laughs> I, I have, like, a really screwy brain, and yeah. I'll go, like, oh, I have to be there at 11, so I'll leave at 10.30, and then I'll start getting in my head that I have to, like leave at 10 to be there at 10 30 and it's like this snowball and i'm like insane about being on time like i'm i think i'm crazy 
That's good though. Then I'm mean, then I'm like it's better to be a little early than late. But I I was talking to my friend at this show the other day, and they were telling me about I think it's called discalcula. That's probably not what it's called, but it's, it's basically called count chocula. Okay, that would be a good discount rhyme. chocula. But it's basically dyslexia, but with numbers. Oh, and I probably have that. Yeah, I was like, I've never heard of that before, but I, yeah, numbers. But don't confusing. you think as a person who's creative, and well, I'll get to that in a second, but don't you think you have to be a little fucking screw? Like, mm-hmm. you have to be a little weird in the head to be. And you're. I've been talking to people about this a lot because I think we put artists on a pedestal generally. And when we find out they're weirdos with a bunch of emotional issues, we're like, what? You're not perfect. You're not a perfect angel. And it's like, most musicians are wee bit unstable, wee bit screwy, not organized. Like we sit in a room, make noises until we're happy with like I it's just a weird <laughs> hobby in general so yeah I'm, I'm I I guess and more the more I do music I'm like I no one no one has it so it's yeah. weird that people have such high standards because I'm like you ever read a fucking autobiography or a, yeah. like it's like everyone's fucking out of their tits <laughs> yeah I know I feel like there's I yeah I think especially in my generation it's like I feel like when, yeah, there is a very high standard and people, I think, think of like writers and actors as more like, yeah, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But I feel like you have to have blurred, I don't know if I want to say realities. Say it. Well, I was going to say blurred realities, but like, I think like you can't be a creative person without pushing boundaries and experimenting and doing weird shit. And throwing drugs in the mix <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, to push you even further. Like, it sounds cliche, but it's like I've done a lot of weird things and I know I'm probably going to do a lot more. Weird by most people's standards, yeah. not, but I don't think they're weird. I think it's like fucking who gives a shit, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you could spend your whole life prioritizing being very well socialized Fuck and that. organized. Fuck and- that. <laughs> Yeah, you could do that. Did you throw morals in there? Yeah, like having a very moral and um, following the American dream path. Or you could struggle for your whole life and face people being confused by you and try to somehow monetize your life experience. Yeah, which is the sad part about it, but <clears throat> it's it's weird. It's it's very strange that there is some sort of yeah. I'm not on drugs right now, but I want to <laughs> say that, that. But it sounds like a very druggy thing I'm about to say. But like I've been drastically questioning everything that I've been believe, and like because I've been viewing like I read a thing. The book is bullshit, but I read it, and it was. But part of it I think is true. But just how we're so influenced by Victorian purists. Mm. That sounded heady, didn't it? That sounds like... No, I hear that. But I'm like, wow, I feel like almost everything we believe is this Puritan-based bullshit. Like, all of it. The way we conduct. Or it is, like, rooted in that. And it's... uh, I don't think other 
cultures, all cultures were that way. And I don't think we need to have these strict, like, this is this. And I don't know. It's been a lot of stuff I've been questioning and like, or just like how we're raised. Like, like the environment I grew up in, be a man, be tough. And it's like, I'm, I'm not, (laughs) (laughs) I can't be that guy. Often the more we try to like hammer, like, any sort of norm into anybody, it's like harder to exist and less likely to happen that way. I don't know. Yeah. I think also to sound like I'm tripping on drugs that the longer I exist, the more I feel comfortable in a gray area with anything. Right. Yeah. And that's how, like, I think we all, sometimes try to pass judgments or be like, things should always be like this. Otherwise, fuck it or whatever, you know? And it's like, it's more uncomfortable to constantly understand that there's different perspectives, different ways to live your life. Even like, yeah, I don't know. Thinking about how people are like, I, I'm going to start drinking matcha. Like, I, <laughs> I, can't, I can't drink coffee. It's bad for me. What, it's like, we're always all trying to find this like idealized way to live and be. And it's like, it's just going to keep changing and it's never right or yeah. wrong. I was very scared to try a lot of things as a younger person. And I really, I, I don't know if regret's the proper word, but like, I'm like, why does it, it doesn't fucking matter. It's <laughs> just like, do whatever the, do whatever you want. It doesn't really matter. It's really freeing to just not, to understand the stakes of someone judging you or making a mistake or even being set back doesn't really matter. Yeah. You've said a couple of times you're, you said my generation. What is that? And what I does that know. mean? Cause I, I don't know. Ni- I was born in 94. I'm 27. Okay. I wasn't asking your age, I, but, but I meant like, I was just curious by generation. You're doing pretty good for 27, by the way. I love 27. <laughs> my last few birthdays, I felt like I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but my I was born on December 27th, so it's very, like, it just feels... I think it's, like, people call it your star year. If you're, it, like, the, the new the day or whatever. Oh, okay. So I'm choosing to put, to put some stake in that. What were you going to say? I was trying to remember. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my generation? Talking I about my like, generation? I feel like... I don't know. I'm, like, generation generational talk always weirds me out a little Mm -hmm. bit because I feel like people love to label and blanket generations and like like especially with the boomers where Mm -hmm. people are like they're all this and that I'm like I know a lot of dudes who are boomers who are fucking Mm -hmm. really radical and leftist and not what you say they are Mm -hmm. and so and it's like it's like ageism is acceptable when we label it with a generation which I think is weird yeah yeah and I see it happening to people's generations who were labeled and I'm like, well, you're doing that thing that you're not supposed to do, Gen mm-hmm. Xers. <laughs> yeah, I think that it becomes easier to like, like I think American culture in general is quicker to discard our elders than other cultures and I really don't like that. And I think it's important to engage with different generations in general and it's something I wish I did more. Like even talking to like, like I'm from Texas. There's some fucked up conservative old people in Texas, obviously. And like when I was younger, I used to just be like, fuck them. I never want to fucking talk to them. They're fucking assholes. I hope they suffer. And like, of course that voice still exists in my head. (laughs) 
But <laughs> what would be more productive for everyone is if I engage in a conversation with them and try to, you know, have some positive interaction and share ideas and understand where they're coming from, whether that's generational or individual experience. Like, yeah, I don't know. How much of Texas has influenced you as a musician? Is that a dump? Is that one of those? No, I love that question. I, yeah. Because I've noticed, like, I've had a lot of Austin folk on this. And that's, I was, yeah, because, yes, I've had, I've had a thing for Austin people for a while. And I still have a bunch of one I have on. But there's a certain confidence that comes from. Really? I think, like, I mean, we talked about Ryan Sambal on the text messages. Yeah. Which I didn't know you were from Austin when you mentioned it. Because I've brought up the Strange Boy sometimes and people are like, I, like they, yeah, which is, a, I just, I really worship that band. Me too. Before Mal Malarkey started, like right before, I was really, really, really into the Strange Boys. And Dylan, our drummer, his brothers are really good friends with Ryan. And like they came up in that scene together. So Did you hear his band after? Strange Boys. I've heard his solo stuff. He had a band that, uh, Living Grateful is the name of the band. I'll check it out. And they did an album and then he shelved it. Like he Mm -hmm. recorded it and shelved it and some dude made a documentary while they were filming it or recording it and he shelved it and I was just like, and I, when I heard it, I was like, why, why did you shelve this? I hate when people do that, but I understand. Have you wanted to do that? No. No, I, I want attention. I want success and attention. But uh, no, yeah. Austin is really special. I have heard before, and I don't know where I've heard this, that like music communities often surround bodies of water. Have you heard that before? Mm. And I kind of think that's okay. true. I mean, obviously that's where like big cities also tend to be, but I've just... I don't, I, is Nashville surrounded by water? I should know this, but I don't. I've been there, but I mean, I would imagine there's probably there's like probably a river. Some or water, yeah. There's probably some water, but also I'm ashamed of my geography because I, I mean, I know it's not on the ocean, but anyway, go ahead. I'm also ashamed of my geography, and I don't know where anything is, even though I travel. Yeah, so. but we live. We have ways, and <laughs> we have way. It's like a calculator. Like I don't need to learn math if I have a fucking calculator. I anyway. don't. Yeah. Anyway, so te- Texas and Austin in general is like very. Um, supportive to new musicians, I feel like. Like, there truly is just a community of people who spend every week going out to shows and supporting people. And I think it's changed a lot. Obviously, anyone's going to say that about where they grew up, but it definitely has turned more into L.A., I feel like. It's a destination. It's very bougie in certain parts. And, yeah, my parents went to school there um, at UT so like they always speak on that and like how how much it's grown but yeah in general it's just it's kind of a it's weird like it has it has a different pace for sure it's not a fast paced town in my opinion but it's still has an energy and I think because because it's not an industry city like a New York or an LA most musicians who are collaborating there, I feel like are very much just focused on the art of it and the experience and the connections and 
I think that's what makes it really special. Um, but I would like to see, like, there's successful artists out of Austin, but I would like to see, like, more rich music people <laughs> doing something out there, I guess. Because, yeah, there's too many talented people out there who will shelf a record. And it's like, okay, like, if that person lived in L.A., they'd have their marketing and promo and PR, and it would, you know... It's like, I think art is very personal when it's not commercialized and that is definitely a thing in Austin. Do you think that's changing? Because I read that Austin's rent jumped 51% this <laughs> yeah, year or Elon something Musk, insane like that. Fucking Elon Musk moved into town. And fuck Wad Rogan. Yeah. I thought he was there for a while. I don't oh, know. Oh, is he maybe not there anymore? No, he's there. I just thought he Oh, was, he's been... I, I think he's been there. But yeah, like, basically, um, there is this place called Music Lab that I grew up, like, going to rehearsals there. And, like, everyone, if they wanted to have a practice room, would go there. And Elon Musk literally bought that building for Tesla. And it's, like, a Tesla showroom now. That's just gross to me. Is that not the most, like... There it is. Like, that's what's happening. But yeah, it's. it's I can't changing. imagine Austin people are thrilled with that fucker. No. no, but a lot of tech bros are moving in. So we'll see where it goes. Tech bros are ruining every city. Like, tech I used to are. love San Francisco, and it's insufferable now. It's still beautiful, mm-hmm. but it's insufferable. And then it's like, it kills the culture. I'm Chicago, where I'm from, it still seems somewhat. I've only been to not, Chicago once, and it was. Really, really awesome. Did you go there to play? Yeah. I was rem- I was touring with Faye Webster and we were playing as like a sidewalk festival. Oh. Mm-hmm. So that was a really, you know, the festival experience is definitely not like, oh, go see the city. It's like be on this park ground for it's still, eight hours. But it's a beautiful skyline. Yeah. It's gorgeous and it it definitely has a very unique energy i don't i don't i can't describe it because i've literally only been there for like a second but if you go i'll tell you where to go yeah i'm hoping to i yeah i have a i i don't know i have like a conflict because part of me wants to live there again but i also Mm. don't ever want to deal with fucking winter again and i like california and Chicago, outside of Chicago, the state of Illinois can just fuck right off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you like the big cities, though? I used, I think so. But that's what I, like, L.A. and Chicago are very similar because it's like, you could, like, there's neighborhoods like yours where it's, like, mm-hmm. kind of residential and it's mm-hmm. quiet, and but you're still in a big city, and then you could just, like, travel a little bit, and then you're in the heart of some, a bunch of shit mm-hmm. happening. And that I like because you can step out of it but still be in it mm-hmm. and have, I need quiet or I'll lose, I lived in New York for a while and I almost lost my fucking mind because it the was. the alarms and, it I mean, was your always, car alarm was probably going on. <laughs> <laughs> I would like, people would be singing in my apartment building or playing piano and there's like a romance to that because you're yeah. like, ooh, I'm in the, but it's like also you're like, can I have a second yeah, to think about can't. something? You can't. And I couldn't do that. You so. know, I, d- I just came up with this theory as I was falling asleep the other day that I think the reason why ambient music is becoming more popular here is because it's a loud, big city. And I think that people need the wash of sound to calm themselves down. That's interesting. I use white noise now when I go to sleep, and I never used to do that before. I, never, I used to always not want anything playing while I sleep, but now it's music or a 
a podcast or something. Oh, I used to do music, but that was at a period in my life where I was really fucking miserable. And I'd fall asleep to Moon Picks by Cat Power and and a Dirty Three album. The white noise I've heard is like really helpful just for like noise leveling. Yeah, I live by a loud street, so there's that. And uh, I have demons in my head. (laughs) (laughs) And I need to quiet them as well. Yeah. If it works, it works. Did you come from a music family? So is that a boring question? No, it's not. My <laughs> my like nuclear direct family, no one is in the music thing. But my grandfather who passed away, um, he was like a bluegrass country guitarist. I was and, wondering. Because yeah. of the picking. Yeah, yeah. I mean he he taught me some really good stuff. I wish I had more time with him just to hear more about yeah, his technique and stuff, but Anytime I sat with him and he taught me stuff, I really definitely took it to heart and would practice it a lot. And um, that's on my mom's side and on my dad's side. My His sister and his mother both play piano amazingly, amazing pianists. So, yeah, there's, like, there's a little bit, but not, not as much as I guess I'd like. Did you get the picking from him? Because I saw, I watched your Fender bit, guitar video, which has won over a million views, yeah, if you didn't that know. that shit is crazy. But yeah, a little bit, but I also attribute, and I, to be honest, I don't even know. Like, I feel like he used to pick most of the time, but I could be wrong about that. But I think I, like most little kids, started plodding on the piano a little bit. And I think that, like having my right hand as like a means to articulate notes. It's like something I definitely got used to. And the pick just is just like a piece of plastic. Like it doesn't feel fun to me. Does it make you feel disconnected from the Yeah, I think so. I mean, you just have more means to add tone. I saw this tweet that said tone is stored in the fingers and I really believe that. Like some people like to have like 15 pedals and obviously that's important too. But yeah, I think if you're using 10 digits <laughs> to say what you're trying to say, it's definitely nice. But I do like when I'm touring, my hands will just be bleeding, my right hand. Because I'll use my full hand as a pick and that has destroyed my hands. You haven't built up. There's there's calluses, but it's mostly like it's like up here, right. like it's not on my fingertips. I'll just like. Are you like in the zone when sure. you're? Yeah, and I, I like. We were recording a song that has yet to come out, and there's pictures like after that session, my whole guitar splattered with blood, which most guitarists can relate to. But I did the whole session. I was like really into it, and then I just looked down and I was like, fuck. Cause it sucks to clean blood out of like <laughs> your guitar, like all the pieces of hardware and like, it's nasty. You can't leave it. You can. And like power to you. But I don't know. Um, people talk about like guitars start playing better when they have like your finger grease in them. And like Steve from white denim, which I know you interviewed James from white denim, but he said that he like rubs ham and cheese on his new bass strings so that they have that softness. 
And like, you're not supposed to change bass strings very often, but that's a thing. They get softer. And it feels better. So yeah, any kind of biological biohazards <laughs> in your guitar could maybe be to the for the best. I've wondered what like and this sounds like a rudimentary dummy guy question, but like how some people can play the same chords and there's magic and in it and then somebody plays it and you're like what are you doing? I don't I agree with that and who knows. Like is it cosmic? Is it, we sound like just, a couple of fucking hippies. This conversation. I, think <laughs> I think it's how much you care and how much you believe in whatever you're playing. And I think a lot of good musicians who are like, ah, I just can't write anything unique. It's like you can do the same chords, but are you something I talk about a lot is like, are you more invested in the emotional meaning of your song or are you more invested in? am I fucking up? Is this good? Is this X, Y, Z? What would people think about it? Like if that voice is louder, then it's going to sound like you're just playing an E chord and it doesn't matter and it's boring. Did you ever have to battle with those voices? Yeah, for sure. And, and mostly it comes up when we're finishing something. That's when I start being like, oh God, oh God, oh God, someone's going to see this. And like, is this even good? But like whenever I write or record something, I say, well, this is a little song. No one's going to hear it. Like, let's just freak out. And like, it doesn't matter. I have to think that. And I can't imagine, I guess, being on, you know, like really high budget, you know, film sets or whatever the fuck and being like, this is going to be a big deal. It has, you know, like that kind of pressure is good. And I like that, but... I always pretend that I'm not going to release whatever I'm making so that I don't. You're tricking yourself. I'm tricking myself. And it always leaves it open because I'd rather have like too many songs than too few songs. So I just go, no one's going to hear this. No one's going to hear this. I have things that I've shelved to be honest, but I'm like, this is good. I don't know. This could come out sometime. Why don't what makes you shelf them or not? And if you, especially if you think they're good. Or does it not fit? I don't know. I mean, there's a limit to how much music you can put out on a record. <laughs> Do you ever just want to be like, fuck it, I'll just put yes. things on Bandcamp and everyone yes. fuck off? Yes. I had a major phase where I was like, I'm just going to do that. And I might still, and I won't tell anyone about it. But do yeah, you, I don't know what to do with those songs. Do you think about doing solo stuff? Livy Bennett? Sometimes I do. Right now, I just would not have the time to like properly do that. And I, I love collaborating with everyone. I think it adds a lot. But yeah, <laughs> I when I, I I do like solo shows sometimes, and that's really fun and scary. It's like I can't. Yeah, there's less noise, and it's just you. So if your voice cracks, it's a big deal. Maybe someday, because I, I got a lot of ideas. I just... Yeah, I think... I, I, I don't want to sound like a dumb guy, which I keep saying. But I don't like, want to sound like one of those dumb guys. <laughs> but you're, like, exceptionally brilliant. Like, Oh, my God! No, no. I do think that. Thank you. Like, I listened... Like, that album is, like... There's a lot going on, and it's Thank very... You. Complex. Not that I like. I hate when I read reviews and people get like real word. I'm like, can't you just say how you feel? Because isn't that the point? Like when people start going like, and then there's like the influence of George yeah. Bennett, and I'm like, what? <laughs> like, 
is there or is that you? I read an interview with you and the the person who was writing in between the. It was just very like okay, I get it. You're showing off like you know things, and it yeah. like gets really aggravating. Where I was like, shouldn't a review just be like? I felt really good listening to this I album. <laughs> a thousand percent agree, and I get to be honest. Like I want to hear what people like. Oh, your music reminds me of this, but it's like when it's someone I don't even know. It gets so weird. I'm just like, I get, maybe I do. I don't know. And like when I'm making music and working with my bandmates specifically, I'll be like, I want you to think about like, I want you to think about this experience or I want you to think about this emotion or what does it feel like when you're doing this or whatever? Because that's kind of, yeah. I'm not like, okay, we want the drums to sound like this band and this to sound like, it's like, yeah. Is it mostly you? It's like writing. It, I didn't look at credits. It's mostly me writing and I like all of my bandmates write incredible music and I'm always like get your fucking song out. But I think they're still brewing on some stuff that might come out, but yeah, I I write a shitload of songs. <laughs> too, <laughs> too many. And my bandmates are too kind to be like, "Yeah, this is good." Because sometimes I'm like, "This is bad." Like I know this is not good. Like, this one is not that good. But sometimes, like, yeah, there's songs that I've written and, like, partially recorded and been like, this should just, like, whatever. And then if I show it to my label or my bandmates, they're like, all right, this is a single, like, and I'm like, oh, I I have no idea. Like, I don't know. I think most, maybe not most people, but I always like the the weird b-sides that's usually where i have the most fun <laughs> i always like beast like i never like people's hit songs i'm like i want the weird stuff that they probably somebody at the label is like no not that one because yeah. usually that's i'm like nothing against labels but people from my experience and my side of business mm-hmm. things i'm like most people don't know what the fuck they're talking about this is true and that's why everything sucks <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, what makes a commercial song that someone will remember and whatever is very different than like something that interests you on a musical or emotional level sometimes? I just feel like this is a broad statement, but like people have been given the same thing repeatedly or like with films, they just give us the same shitty film over and over or and I'm like, mm. maybe if we challenge people, maybe people are starving for something. That's how I feel. Like, cause then something different will come out and people are like, this is amazing. I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. because you, this is what people really want. Or am I naive? Am no, I, or- I mean, that's right. And like people see what works and then they're like, here's millions of dollars to do the same thing a little bit different. Cause we know it works. Yeah. Then they just, yeah. Yeah. Then everything's derivative, but load up garbage world we live in (laughs) (laughs) you said though and i'm just i'm curious because i think this is defined by everybody as an individual but you said you wanted success and attention and what does that (laughs) what does that exactly mean to you because it means different things like you don't want to do pepsi commercials do you what kind of commercials pepsi I would do a Pepsi if they gave me a check. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what Pepsi is about. Like if I really don't, I'm sure Pepsi is exploitative. Whatever. I only just thought of Pepsi because that's what like Michael Jackson did. And it's always seemed that yeah. Beyonce, I think, did a Pepsi yet. Yeah. But no I one mean, drinks Pepsi. I, to be honest, I want enough money to buy little robots that make <laughs> music. <laughs> 
like everyone wants these little pieces of gear that sound different. And that's just what I, that's the kind of success that I want is to keep producing things that sound better to me. But attention I want in a distant way because I tend to get pretty overwhelmed by in-person attention. Like when we play shows, Noor, our bassist, and Dylan, our drummer, they're so good at talking to people. Any of Anyone who's weird or whatever, like weird in a way that's like, like overbearing or whatever, like they can handle it and they're down to do it. But I get so flustered and like yeah I get weirded out yeah for whatever reason I appreciate it and like sometimes it's like we can talk on a real level and sometimes I'm like I just get caught up because yeah whoever likes your music is attached to a sound recording and they have an idea about what you might be like and that in the first place is weird and like I'm a very small like a st- like new artist in the grand scheme. And I can't imagine as time goes on, how weird it is to be like, I just the fact that I've spent hours listening to your voice and like knowing, you know, whatever. And I think you're like this. That's just weird. But yeah, I, I want attention. I want, I mostly want attention from other musicians that I want to collaborate with. That's like, the dream to me. <laughs> Who would you want to collaborate with? I mean, I'm I'm collaborating with people later today yeah. that I'm excited with, but to meet up with. But I won't uh, I won't share any names. But yeah, Pink I Pink Floyd. How is it feel? To, <laughs> did, did, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I love being able to yeah exchange music and ideas. And being here is nice for that. Yeah. Why did you not say go to New York or something? I can never do New York. And I think that has to do with growing up in the South, in the sunshine, where there's wide open spaces and nature. Yeah. Classic. I I just don't think I could do Or Chicago, no offense. It's just like so cold. I'm not there. (laughs) Yeah. If I was in Chicago, I'd be 200 pounds heavier. Like, it's just not a healthy place to be. Really? Or I'd be dead because I'd probably drink myself together. But isn't this... I mean, this is a city with pollution and, like, crazy economic issues. It is pretty... But the weather's better? Is that it? The, what, yeah. And I now I've been here so long, it, like, I've, it mm. feels like this is where... like, And I like California. Yeah, I was I listening don't... to the Greg Katz interview um, recently, and you said you've been here for 20 years. Yeah. That's... Admirable. Admirable. <laughs> I promised, but I can't sit still. And I told myself when I moved here, I would stay for a while. Mm-hmm. Because I moved like six times in one year. Mm. And I just couldn't do it anymore. I was like, all right, I have to stay somewhere. But I wanted to leave so many. I almost went back to Chicago. I almost moved to Portland before mm. Portland was I Portland. I see Portland being a fun place for you. Yeah. But also, like, I used to have to be in the proximity of bars, which I don't need anymore. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I I don't drink a... Uh, anyway, we don't need to go to my drinking, do we? Again. I just quit. I just I didn't like go like to rehab or something. I was just like, you know what? This is probably which not... Which is hard to do. To go to rehab? Either. I was saying quitting. Oh. Just quitting on your own. Yeah. 
just was a friend of mine drank himself to death. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. And he was young. Mm. So I was like, maybe I should not do this. And so I didn't. Yeah. I'm afraid of any substance that could kill me, you know, of which there's many. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, don't eat those Twinkies that you, uh, that you've told me you love so much. Yeah. I mean, that's scary. But you do big, big ups for that. Cause I'm curious how long it was miserable because I'm trying to cut down weed, which is way different. But every time I try to quit, I'm just like, I'm fucking bored. I don't, know what I want to do. I want to feel different. I just want to like chill out and do the thing that I know. Yeah. I just, the one thing I did a lot more is I started reading way more. Which is a great trade. Like, so I was okay with, cause I wasn't, but the weird thing is too now is I don't like watching TV. Mm-hmm. I feel like TV was also numbing out. Like I'm watching a show right now that I like and I watch it every night Severance? Have you seen Severance? Mm-hmm. It's really dark and weird and great. But I'm like, I don't want to be doing this. Like, I'm doing it now because I'm invested, but I'm like, I just want to be reading something. Because I feel like that there's a being present within reading and your mind is working and you're like in to the a degree, like you're in that world. Mm-hmm. I feel like you're actually sort of there if the book is good enough. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, I don't know, it's different than, I don't know. I just don't really want to watch anything anymore. Unless it's dogs fucking. I love watching. (laughs) (laughs) That is entertaining. Who doesn't like to watch dogs fucking? They have their own style. Uh, And it's not like in somebody's yard. I want street dogs. I need like two strays. (laughs) (laughs) That's one way to pass What happened to my brain there? No, I mean, I... I kind of change how I feel about TV. I don't watch as much TV as I used to, like... I used to watch MTV for hours after school every night. Um, but that was... You were, which was way past the prime of MTV. This was like... Oh, yeah. So, date My Mom, Jersey Shore. Oh, yeah. Trash. So I used to be into that. And I still like trash a lot. But yeah, there is something about where your mind is when you're just watching a show. It's just like kind of... You're not inventing the story like you are... If you're reading in a way, you're not visualizing. Yeah. Certain filmmakers, I think, are different where I'll get taken away. But it's kind of become, it's become more and more rare where I really, I don't know. And I used to really want to write film and almost had, that's a whole nother story. I almost had a movie made and then it didn't happen and I had a, almost had a nervous breakdown. <laughs> Understandably, that like making a project that big that's just one thing. It was like that's a, terrifying. It's like I can't create things and not be emotionally invested. I can't be like a guy who's like, oh, I'm going to write Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say no offense to Marvel movies, but actually those movies can fuck off. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, but I'm like, I can't be like a business guy about it and be like, oh, well, this mm-hmm. is a market right now. Is this? I'm like, I have to have some kind of investment in it. So when those things collapse as they often seem to do. Mm-hmm. It's personal. It's like a period of mourning. Mm-hmm. Do you have that with music at all? Or I haven't yet. I'm sure I will. But like I mean, when you put out an album, not that there's mourning after you put out mm-hmm. an album or something, but is there a some kind of like, it's now it's like it's left you or something. And yeah. it's, it's other people's. It's in their hands how it lives on. It is pretty terrifying, but... 
Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I guess, are you referring to like you wrote something and it didn't get picked up because... Me personally? Yeah. I had a f- screenplay I wrote and a friend of mine who's a big movie guy got behind it and there was people attached and it was like, I was like, okay, so things are finally coming together and then just one day it all stopped mm. and it was such a devastating emotional and there was like scenes in the script that were like pretty much me just transcribing moments of yeah. my life very unhealthy moments but mm-hmm. <laughs> and like I just was like it was I think it was almost as bad as any like being in love and having that them being like walking in on them fucking your dad or something <laughs> <laughs> like just yeah. it was like just mentally just I was ruined mm-hmm. which is probably not a healthy way to be but I I mean it's your life transcribed and it didn't like I get that it was yeah and I can't write something like that I don't have an interest in emotionally mm-hmm. I don't know how people do that they're robots they're not artists is that judgmental no I think that's real I, I mean, you like watch. Common. You watch network television. And you're like, this is trash. Like, there is this is garbage mm-hmm. bullshit. <laughs> and I had to work at a job where I read a lot of TV scripts, and I was just like, this is just mind numbing. Or am I arrogant? What? Am, which was it? No, I mean, I think it goes back to what we were saying earlier that like, I think your average human being wants something that they can already understand before it's even done. Just a formula. Maybe that's not true, and maybe that wouldn't be the case if that wasn't what we've been fed forever. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, too, I don't have... Like, when I did work in... I worked a nine-to-five job for a while in an office, and it was hell. And I'm like, I get... I was like, some people just don't want to come home and read a heady book or something. I think they just want to be like, I don't know. I wish I could be... Are you on social media? Do you scroll on your phone? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what I'm, that's, that's the saddest thing is like after a long day and I'll be like, I'll make plans and I will do these plans. I will get things done, but usually I just need to look at things I don't care about and scroll through things that I'm just like, whatever. But I, I find know. myself like, do you get caught up in like TikTok or reels on instagram yeah, where tiktok's I'm, the worst one because then i'll like i'll do it like i'll feel like i did something horrible like i'll feel gross i'll feel like i did something incredibly immoral and i'm covered in grease or something it is like zero it's actively melting your attention span and i think that since i've been on tiktok i read less and like i just generally am like what's next what's next like and the fact that it's not organized to anything, really. It's like you literally are just strangers. Just, yeah, it's strange. But yeah, I I want to be the kind of person who's like, ah, yes, the day's over. Like, let me <laughs> crack open this philosophy book. But it's like, yeah. I mean, I don't, it's not like I'm reading Kierkegaard every night. I'm reading, I like memoirs. I'm a memoir guy. Was that a conscious thing for you to be like, I'm done drinking, books are what I do at the end of the day? Like, it was a combination of things. I felt like this is like, well, I quit drinking a year and six months ago. And two, two and a half years ago, I just felt my brain getting mushy. And I was like, that's when I started, I stopped doing the podcast for a while. I was like, I'm going to do, start doing the podcast mm-hmm. again because I wanted to research people and I wanted to have 
interactions with and the great thing about having a podcast is like like because it used to not just be musicians and i'd be like oh i like this guy's book i'm gonna see if i could talk to him yeah <laughs> it's like it was a great cheat to be like mm-hmm. i'm gonna talk to interesting people and that was really the whole motivation for it to begin with anyway and i was like i'm gonna start doing that again and i like started reading poetry because i was like i need to have my brain working because i felt stupid like i just felt like mushy head and that all has like fed me writing and creating more i used to love poetry i used to write poetry when i was younger too and i guess lyrics are a form of poetry that's what people always say but i never think of it that way do you put importance on your words or do you are you yeah i mean i mean everything that i'm saying and usually it's a pretty like blah 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 blah, here it all is and i don't really edit things very much um i'm obsessed with drugstore model really (laughs) i wrote that when i was living here for the first time i know you were walking in downtown los angeles i research things yeah you do. most people don't think Mm -hmm. i do like they they're like they're always surprised but i'm like i'm surprised you haven't said where'd you get your band name um and when did you start your band because that's all those are no offense to anyone who's asked me those questions but that is the worst because I've just had to answer it. I like talking about Texas because there's a lot I could talk about, but those are one word answers. Those are the only people I would ask where they got their band name is from is Pearl Jam because everybody's asked them that and I want to annoy them. Yeah. <laughs> I love that for you. But yeah. That's anyways, yeah, drugstore models fun. I yeah, I like I, I wondered if some of the album was breakupy because there was a lot of past tense of somebody like it actually wasn't but I, yeah i think i read that and i don't usually ask about that sort of thing either yeah i try not to be like i try not to go into the stories of the songs like there's certain songs that like people will ask me what they're about and i'm just like i, I just listen to I, the song interpret it on your own <laughs> i used to get irritated by that but then when sometimes you find out what the reason the meaning of a song is to the artist you're like that's not what it means to me. Yeah. And it's disappointing. Really? Yeah, can I can be. see that. Because if it's about something mundane where it's like, oh, I wrote a song about my cat and I was like, I thought that was, <laughs> but that was, you helped me heal. <laughs> it's like a song about your dumb cat. Yeah. I think, I think that's crazy. Yeah. That's like a big part of it is anyone can interpret your lyrics any way they want to. And yeah, in that song, I'm like, I'm a demon. Like sometimes I wonder what people think about that you know like but see unlike most people i think if you're an artist i'm like oh you're probably out of your fucking mind right yeah we all you're probably everyone. obsessing about somebody whose house you're gonna break in and like shit in their bed <laughs> <laughs> oh or i just have a lot of unhealthy artists i like but like i don't know like it doesn't seem fair like i like music that takes me on a journey and creates things or any sort of art where it's like makes you like there's certain colors even like in paintings mm-hmm. like they just evoke something not even nostalgic but it's like it's a memory but I can't even like put my finger on what it is but like there's just this feeling You're I've almost in. moved yeah I've almost moved into apartments because there was like something yes where I'm like oh, almost you didn't move in no but like I wanted to, yeah. but it was like, there would be a shithole 
It would be a terrible apartment, but the they had those awnings, those metal awnings from the 50s, and it reminded me of like something from my mm-hmm. grandfather's neighborhood. And that's the only reason I wanted to live there because it brought some kind of weird subconscious comfort, and it was probably a terrible place to live, <laughs> but because of the awning, I wanted to live there. Yeah. Which is crazy, right? Yeah. But that's Do you think I'm real. crazy? We've known each other for um, a couple hours now. My diagnosis right now <laughs> is yes, but you're managing well. I'm you know? not even, you know, I'm hiding a lot of my crazy. Everyone does. I mean, I'm not going to like steal your guitar or anything. I'm not that kind of crazy. It's all more internal crazy. Everyone's walking around with their own crazy and no one really knows what that is until they're forced to find out. Do you create a lot of s- stories in your head? Um, no, I mean, everything I write about pretty much is completely personal or how I feel at any given moment. I've tried that before, kind of, and I was it just doesn't feel the same. Have you ever revealed something? That you were afraid to reveal? Every single song, I'm a little bit embarrassed about something that I've said. Because it is just deeply embarrassing to be genuine, but whatever. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. What's the alternative? Never saying anything you mean or revealing anything that is bad or just kind of, yeah, vulnerable in a non-lovable way or whatever. Like, yeah, I think most people rely on their art as therapy, which is good and bad, right? If it's, but, in, if it's indulgent. Yeah. It's a thin line, though. It's a weird line, and I... Yeah, I've been talking about lines <laughs> that I'm trying to... Um, like, blurry lines and how I squint at them and try to make out the line. Like, yeah. I just think that's a funny way to think about it. Like, what is... Yeah, I don't even know. Yeah, I don't know either. Yeah, it's weird because there's some people who reveal too much, and you're like, "Oof!" Like, but is maybe it's just the space that they reveal it from? Because I'm trying to be really honest with myself and others, and it's like weird. Hmm. It's also weird that like you can't be like, or I was conditioned to hide, hide everything. Mm-hmm. Good old fucking Catholicism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it's and like here I am decades later going like you need to address some things, dude. Mm-hmm. Right? I I can't tell. Like I think it gets easier to be honest with people as you get older, and you realize like it doesn't. Someone's interpretation and feeling behind your truth is important and reveals a lot about both of you. And yeah, I just remember being younger and being like thinking about my social interactions before I got there and like... Oh, yeah. I still do a little bit. If I'm I like, scripted in my head. Yeah, you want, I might have done it with this, but then I th- I'm capable of, thro- of throwing it away. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I, I think as I get older, I'm like, you know, if I go to this party and I'm quiet and like my body language is reading that I don't want to talk or that I'm not interesting, like I am boring and... Like on some days I'm interesting and it's fine. And whatever, like, I guess, yeah, going back to artists being these crazy assholes, it's like some people will be like, I saw that guy at a show. He was an asshole or like whatever it is. It's like that was one day of their life and your whole definition of them is. 
It's not fair. It isn't fair. Especially and, if they're a known person and yeah. you're expecting them to be this thing. The most annoying thing of my life is... <laughs> is um, I've had a lot of friends say that like when I'm at shows, they feel like I'm not accessible, like on a personal level. And I think that's true. I think that I have kind of like, you know, I need to talk, I need to talk to people who came here and this was like their first show coming here. I need to sell merch or I need, I'm just like in my head. But when bands are at shows, that's like their job. And some of us are not the best at having these charming, inspiring little interactions every time. <laughs> it's a lot to ask of somebody. It's a lot to ask. And when my loved ones are like, you seem so preoccupied at these shows. I'm like, I am. Like, you- let's hang out afterwards at your house one-on-one because that's when I can actually... You're working. Yeah, yeah. And it's like you have to go up and do something or you came off and did something and it's reeling around your head. Mm-hmm. And people don't get that. They think you're just going to be like... Hey, I can, you're that yeah. fun person on stage. It's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, or if it's if it's like a good friend, I've like people that I love and and am in good like friendships with will be like, yeah, it is kind of hurtful when I feel like you are talking to someone else and not me at a show, and I'm like, I still don't know how to reconcile with that because that sounds codependent, is what that sounds like. <laughs> maybe, maybe. sounds like a bad. Boyfriend, girlfriend, partner. I think, it's, I think it's more like, you know, when we usually link up, you give me your full attention. We talk about life and like whatever. And when I'm at a show, I'm it's like sensory overload at times. And it's also a weird celebration where I feel like I want to connect with people if I can. There's definitely been shows where I've been like, guys, I'm going to go sleep in the van. After we're done, because I cannot. Like, there was this one show, we were on tour with this band, Slow Pulp, and it was in San Diego. Um, and my one of my family's dogs had passed away. It was like, she was like, is she going to make it? Is she not? And yeah, I was just like, I'm just, right after we're done, I'm just like going to the car, because I... There's no way, which is the unfortunate thing about touring is like things like that will happen and you're still like, I'm rocking out and what's up? (laughs) Buy our merch, everyone. And it's like, I'm deeply sad. Something terrible happened. (laughs) I've wondered about that. Like, it's hard to be that into it every night, right? Um, sometimes when you're tired, but honestly... When you're tired. It's really fun. It's, It's not... Even if I'm having the worst day, like, I think... Once we hit the stage, it's always... Sometimes the talking is the hardest part, I feel like, for me, which I've gotten better about it. <coughs> but, yeah, that part is the challenge for me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Conversations with Dwyer. Hey, don't forget, there's a part two of this episode that lives on my Patreon. Go subscribe, become a Patreon subscriber, listen to part two, and many other splendid episodes that you can't listen to in the real world. Become a Patreon subscriber. TheMattDwyer.com. Thank you.